Welcome to the Seed Time Money Podcast. We are your hosts, Bob and Linda Lodick. This is a hope-filled podcast that'll help you save, earn, give, grow, and actually enjoy your money. We don't hold anything back. We share everything that we've learned on our journey. Everything from being 100% broke to paying off our house by age 31, to finding work with purpose, to giving more than we ever dreamed possible, all while having a blast on this adventure that God has led us on. And if you want to achieve true financial freedom and design a life of eternal impact, this is the show for you. We are so glad you're here. Let's get to it. Hey everybody, today we are chatting with Alicia Michelle and she's a certified neuro coach, host of award-winning podcast uh, called the Christian Mindset Coach Podcast. And she is really good at this kind of thing of um, helping people, particularly with anxiety and a couple other things, mindset type stuff from a biblical perspective and then also tying in the neuroscience brain kind of component as well. And so I, I always love this. I think there's a lot of interesting things for us to learn and discuss here. And I know from my experience that um, some people have anxiety about money, like it's just something that happens. Mm-hmm. And so I think yes. there's some value here to talk about this. So with all that, Alicia, thank you for coming to chat today and sharing a little bit of wisdom. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm excited for our chat today. Yeah. So I want to start this conversation with uh, kind of your story. I always love hearing the origin story mm-hmm. of how how people get into doing what they do, um, yeah. because most people don't wake up one day and decide, oh, I'm going to do this. and I'm going to help people with anxiety from a biblical perspective. Like it's, yeah. I'm assuming that you have some sort of story here of how you got here. So would you mind yeah. sharing whatever that is and how you got to do what you're doing? Sure. Well, there is a big story and a little story. So the big story, just to quickly condense it, is that I've always struggled with anxiety. Even as a little kid, I remember being very anxious. I remember being that kid that would, every birthday party, I would I would be in the bathroom throwing up because I was so stressed out about, was everybody having a good time? Did we have enough of this? Was this person going to come? Just the thoughts were always there for me, even as a little kid. And as a little kid, I didn't really know what that meant. That was just how I was. Um, but then as I grew up, I realized, and I met other people like, this isn't, you don't have to live like this. Like this isn't, not everybody lives like this. So, um, that's kind of specifically for anxiety. That was kind of my story. But in terms of managing my mind and managing like which anxiety is part of it, that really all came to a head about six years ago, maybe five years ago now, um, had a massive medical crisis happen. That was an emergency medical crisis. And it was something that happened out of the blue, but it was caused by the immense amount of stress that I'd put on myself and not taking care of myself and not, we had just discussed before we got on here, being an Enneagram three, being that person who just rode themselves into the ground and never took a break. Never. Um, I was homeschooling for kids. I had a special needs, still do have a special needs child. Um, my husband traveled 50% of the time. I slept four hours a night. I mean, literally for about 12, 12 years. That was my nuts lifestyle. And it was just like, I, I was not tired at all. I was just on all the time. And people were telling me like, wow. you need to take a break. You was, you know, um, but ended up having this, this injury that, um, it was a vertebral artery dissection. So without going into all of that, it's basically yeah. this very serious di- diagnosis where, um, I had many strokes and things that were happening 
as a result of my body attacking itself because I wasn't taking care of myself. Um, And so God basically laid out for me in the hospital because the doctors were like, we don't understand why this is happening to you. And it was like, you know why this is happening to you. Mm you know what you've been doing all to yourself all these years and how you've been wow. ignoring and running from this. And guess what? I'm giving you a second chance. You are going to make through all of these strokes and stuff that you're having, but you need to respond differently. So yeah. um, I was in bed for about eight months after um, literally recuperating wow. from all of this. And the temptation was, as I began to build my life back up again and literally not have to lay in bed, just, you know, be able to take care of my family again and things like that. The temptation was to just be like, okay, well, I just need to find some hack to fix my life, right? Just sleep more, just whatever. What's the hack? And what God really challenged me on was what is your motivation for doing this? Why are you so driven? Why do you feel like you can never stop? What is the this, this idea of having to perform to feel good enough yeah. or perfection, things like that. And I realized that was the real issue that I needed to tackle. And so that is when right around the time I started studying the neuroscience became certified as a neuro coach and began bringing that into the coaching practice that I already had. And that was when it just really, the whole gates opened up for me and clients it was just like understanding why I was like this, understanding the motivation behind it yeah. really allowed me to get on top of things like anxiety, like perfectionism, like achieving. And so, um, yeah, it's been a journey, but that's how it all started for me. Okay. So that's interesting because we talked before about how we're both Enneagram threes, uh, and yeah. So how does that played into all of this? Because I, well, I'll just give you my experience. I mean, I, uh, haven't had the health crisis that you're talking about, but I've had particular moments in my life where, uh, God has had to just point out to me that, I mean, just some of the things you said just resonated so much for me mm. in terms of like, what, what do you, what who are you trying to impress? Like what, right. where yeah. are you trying to seek some validation here? And just, <laughs> right. um, inviting yeah. me to just rest in him, just in who I am and who he created mm-hmm. me to be. So I'm curious for you, like, like was the Enneagram and like that understanding, was that part of this equation for you? was a tiny part. I did learn about the Enneagram. Um, I think it kind of gave me an understanding of why I was, why I was, why I felt like that. But it's interesting because I was reading the other day, um, someone had written that just because we're given an Enneagram number, it doesn't mean that we're necessarily doomed to live from that perspective forever. And that, that really brought me some freedom because I feel like the longer that I grow in this area, the less I feel like a three. I feel more and more just like content and happy in being, but that's a skill I've had to learn. I've had to learn that. And I think that is a big reason why a lot of us are anxious is we just don't have the skills. We just turn to what's naturally inside. We turn to what we've seen modeled. We turn to the next or the latest way to just kind of make ourselves feel better in the moment. We're doing all these other things besides really addressing what's going on and learning skills to accept it and work through it and move forward. Yeah. Would you say that uh, part of this whole equation of just reducing anxiety is, is there something here about just being more comfortable in who God made you to be and like not trying to be someone else? Is that something that a lot of people struggle with? I think so. I think there, that could be part of it with, when you speak about anxiety, the the real issue always is what is it that the anxious behavior is giving you? How is it helping you? 
in terms of a brain-based perspective? Like what, yeah. why is the brain continuing to perform in that way? It's going to keep doing the same things that we habitually put into it, but what is the release from, ple- from, from the tension that it's feel that is getting through this? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. What is it getting? The brain Does is always any? looking for the reward. Yes, there is a small, almost like sin, you know, sin in the yeah. moment feels great, but it's not the real answer. Yeah. Um, there is some sort of relief that happens when we feel all this stress that anxiety or other self-sabotaging behaviors can give, huh. but it's a short-sighted thing, right? And it's not meeting the true need. So part of managing anxiety is being able to first notice what are the triggers? What are the things that are happening? How do I, how am I acting when I'm like this? And awareness yeah. is huge. So many of us don't even have that. Um, but then learning to acknowledge why it makes sense. Why does it make sense that I'm feeling like this? Yeah. Maybe this is, you know, this is a very rational trigger that's happening to me, but also what is, what is the deeper fear or pain that is going on here? Why is it that I'm turning to this? What is, what is anxiety trying to give me? It's trying to give me control. Is it trying to give me a sense of, I have a solution, you know, like I got to figure out my solution. Um, what is it giving me and what is the, what is it that God may be directing me toward instead? Because if, what if anxiety is like a, a check engine light, so to speak from God to say, Hey, there's some stuff going on that I want you to be able to manage in a healthier way. You don't have to try to reduce those things necessarily. We can, but that's not the answer always, right. To just get rid of it. Yeah. Um, so finding ways to see what is really the root of it, what's going on and, and responding in a different way, I think is really key. Yeah. Okay. So take me through, you know, your journey, uh, coming out mm-hmm. and then you have this eight month period where you're yeah. recuperating and kind of trying to get back on your feet. Uh, so what, what are you learning during those eight months? Like, what are the things that God's bringing you through, um, to change your behaviors? a lot of things, um, a lot of confronting, a lot of like the one blessing in going through something like that, where everything in your life is stripped away is that you just hear God. And that's sobering and encouraging at the same time, of course, because all the noise, all the things are gone. I mean, I could know the things that had given me worth and value were stripped away from me. Mm obviously not forever. I didn't lose my family. Like they didn't die in an accident, praise the Lord, you know, or anything like that. But it was, I couldn't homeschool my kids. I couldn't take care of my kids. I couldn't cook for my family. I couldn't even work on the the site that I had. I couldn't coach women. I couldn't do anything, but lay in bed and be a person, which is as somebody who has been achieving their whole life and put value in their doing is frightening. It's something you want and you know you should do but you're always like avoiding it avoiding avoiding it and so it was a lot of god just really helping me to see the value of who i was in him that did had had nothing to do with what i what roles i played that my identity truly was as a daughter of god and that was enough yeah that the gifts of being these other things were gifts and expressions beyond that but that i was enough and needed to start from that place before mm-hmm. I moved forward. Okay. Yeah. So that's really interesting and powerful. I mean, cause again, like it's so much of it resonates with me because 2016, I was kind of at my peak of workaholism, stressed out, mm. just doing too many things. Um, yeah. and then God called me to a one year sabbatical in 2017. And, and again, like thinking through the lens of an Enneagram three, like that was a 
really big um, faith test. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. not just the financial component, but also the uh, my identity is in who I what the work I do, and like exactly. for me to just sit for an entire year and not like that was yeah. so hard. You know, I mean, you know, it's wow. hard for people like us, and so uh, yeah, so I really resonate with that. So that was a big part of that healing for you was just starting there and finding mm -hmm. your identity in Christ instead of other stuff. Mm -hmm. And is that yeah. correct? Am I saying that right? And, and yeah. And unfortunately God had to deal with me pretty severely to get that to happen. <laughs> you know, I hope not I'm everybody has to go that severely, but, um, yeah. I think I, a lot of it does boil down to, and, and, and we can talk about this from a neuroscience perspective, why it happens, but like that, understanding we have in the church between, yes, I know all of these things about who I am in Christ, but am I really believing it in my heart? Am I yeah. living from it? Yeah. I'm not. That's the majority yeah. of us in the church, unfortunately. And that is often because there's this disconnect happening in our subconscious mind around these core identity topics that we have around what do I do to feel loved? What do I need to do to feel worthy? What do I need to do to feel enough? Those questions are answered at a very young age by our mind. Oh, I feel worthy when I work. Oh, I feel enough when I'm making other people happy, whatever, yeah. however, our brain has answered it. That's how it will be responding moving forward. So we can believe it from a logical standpoint that God says I'm enough, that God says I'm a daughter of God, blah, blah, blah. But if we're operating from a different standpoint on a subconscious level, there's going to be that dissonance and we're not going to feel God's truth. We're going to know it, but not feel it. I hear that all the time, right? Yeah. So common. So yeah, we have to, um, we have to, that's some of the work that I do is rewiring that on a subconscious level, using science, using brain priming to put in that medicine, God's truth to yep. let that change us. So combining yep. the two together, it's awesome to be able to do that. Okay. So I want to go back to something you said just for a second and just kind of tangent a little bit here, but okay. what, okay. so if we're picking up a lot of this stuff as kids, um, yeah. as parents, like what, what should we be watching out for? Like, what should we be not mm. doing to help our kids not kind of start placing their identity in things they shouldn't be? That's a huge question. I feel like it's or, not like a five step. Well, I, answer, I know, I know, right? but like, yeah, just let's just riff on this though. To but be I mean, aware like, of. what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what are you doing yeah. based on what With you've learned yeah. That, yeah. that I could take selfishly? For like, sure. Help me. Yeah, no, no, I get it. Okay. So I think two things practical moving forward steps that I try to be aware of. My husband and I try to be aware of every day is how am I modeling? for my kids and how I'm both in my actions and in my speech and mm -hmm. how I interact with them, how am I modeling love to them? Yeah. Am I showing that I only approve of them when they do certain things? How am I modeling that? How am I reinforcing them being enough? How am I reinforcing them um, having worth? So focusing yeah. kind of, kind of having that filter on all the time is what I'm trying to do. And to just help them recognize in those moments that they don't feel enough or they don't feel worthy to, to recognize it and to say, yeah, yeah. a lot of us struggle with this and yeah. it's okay. It's understandable because the world wants to tell us a different message. And this isn't the message. We have an option to choose what we want to focus on, what we want to build in our mind. So teaching them simple mindset tools like that, um, to that awareness of what's going on, the the empowerment to choose what God's truth is over the world. 
Um, and then doing my part to model it as much as I can. And then the last part, truly surrendering it to God, because I can do, be a quote, perfect parent in this way. Right. And somebody else can receive it in a completely different way. So it's always that communication model that we learn in communication 101, right? My signal can be perfect, but if the receiving side is clouded or has issues, it's going to receive it differently and vice versa. So I think that there has to be, we have to be intentional about how to do these things, but there also has to be this release and surrender. Like, Lord, this is your journey. This is your kid, right? I'm doing what I can, but. I mean, and that's all parenting. Like, that's the thing. It's just a huge, huge (laughs) walk of faith. Yes. Like, definitely. Lord, help me. You know, I mean, we're, we're praying that all the time. Just, oh yeah, I, we want to be as good as we can, but at the end of the day, it's like, we can only do so much, you know? And we have teenagers. So we have 19, 17, 14, and then 10. So it's interesting now to be 10 years down the line of when, you know, kind of like where we're from where you are to see yeah. like, did we, you know, we're seeing some of the fruits of what we quote yeah. and put in, so to speak, and helping them now deal with these a lot more intense emotional issues, issues yeah. of being teens in this crazy social media world and all of that stuff. And yeah. it's different for boys than girls. We have one girl and three boys and, um, yeah, it's tricky. <laughs> so that leads to another, um, we're just going to bounce around a little bit, but I, I just have sure. a lot of questions. So, uh, yeah, we live in a crazy world, uh, mm-hmm. and we're inundated with news. We're inundated with all the tragedy, everything that's going on. I mean, we can't escape it um, from news to social media to whatever. Yep. So, when we're talking about anxiety, uh, it to, to my mind, it seems like there's two major factors at play. There's one the yeah. a circumstantial stuff that we're now much more aware of than we might have been a hundred years ago. Uh, because yeah. we're aware of all kinds of stuff, which could be anxiety producing. But mm-hmm. then over here, we also have um, uh, what I, it seems like a, a lower tolerance or a weaker ability yeah. to be able to handle anxiety. Is that correct? Am mm-hmm. I thinking about that right? Have you observed so. anything like that? Yeah. Okay. So just a microcosm of that has been the COVID pandemic. It's really interesting if you look at the anxiety statistics that have happened before and after COVID. So before COVID anxiety was around 11% of our society. What does that mean Um, when it's 11%? 11% of our society at at any given time is exhibiting anxiety disorder symptoms. Okay. That's what the statistics says. Okay. At the height of the pandemic in, I believe it was January, 2021, the statistic, it was at 37%. Okay. okay. So it is more than 25% increase. Yep. Um, and now it, the most recent stats I saw the other day it is at 27%. Wow. So it's interesting that it has gone down since the height of everything, but it has not gone back to pre pandemic yep. levels. And yep. to me, here's, here's some, some things that I would say about that. Whatever my theories on that are that obviously it makes sense why it went up. We had all yep. these stressors. It was in our face. It affected all these areas of life. Makes sense. But why hasn't it come down when a lot of us have gone back to normalcy? I think that there were certain patterns of how we dealt with it that for the first time, maybe some people never really dealt with anxiety before, but that was just like, oh my gosh, there was, they were at such a heightened sense that they, that was how they dealt with it. And now because it's a pattern, it's just continued on. 
because mm-hmm. they haven't had the tools to fix it. It's still just keep, it's going to continue. And so like, yeah. when you think about, like you said, this stuff is in our face every day. And I think one mistake we try to do is to say, well, or I'm just going to, when my life is perfect, when things are fixed, then I won't be anxious. And of course we can minimize things that are stressful. I'm not saying that, but I feel like what if instead we said, like Jesus said, you're always going to have in this world, you will have trouble, yeah. right? You're going to have trouble. So stop trying to avoid the trouble and saying that as, as the solution, what if instead we said, how can I manage what's happening to me in a better way? How can I get tools to manage it? That's what I feel like needs to be. I yeah. would love, I mean, it'd be amazing if we could, as a society, learn mindset tools to manage it again, using it so that we can get God's truth in there. We can get yeah. that as, as our heart and our focus. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So That's great. Yeah. So, um, you, you have some free tools or, or mm-hmm. a free workshop and then some mm-hmm. courses and stuff, things that people can go through. And so we'll talk about that in a minute, but for somebody who's dealing with that right now, like, yeah, wh- how can you help them? Like, what can we talk about? Like mm-hmm. some practical things that someone can do right now who's dealing. Yeah. Like, and let's just say financially, you know, like they're, mm-hmm. cause I mean, yeah, we have people who we're talking to who are dealing with some major financial anxiety. Um, and so, yeah, what are some things you've learned that we can help them apply? So I think the biggest thing of course, is just beginning to notice when am I anxious? What's happening to me in my body? What's happening in my mind? What's happening in my, in myself, in my person and, and really seeing, okay, here I am, I'm feeling anxious. And instead of our immediate response is to be mad at ourselves, like, why am I anxious? I know this is, you know, we logically go on this whole stream of like, God's going to take care of me. What's wrong with me. I should be better. This is wrong for me to feel this way as a Christian. Like we can go on this whole long tangent to ourselves. And honestly, that is counterintuitive because it shuts down what we're feeling in the mind. It shuts it down. And it's like, Oh, I'm bad. I shouldn't think that. And so, but the thought, the fear that's driving the anxiety is still there. So instead of going down that path, sitting with it, bringing it before God, seeing and acknowledging it and looking at it through the compassionate lens of Christ. Hmm. Why does it make sense that I'm anxious right now? Well, let me tell you, speaking about people who are worried about anxiety uh, as financial issues, my husband and I have walked through two very long periods of unemployment. One was 18 months, one was 15 months and just happened to end about six months ago, that one, the 15 months one. And I can tell you, I get it. I get the anxiety that you can just immediately jump into in those moments. And, um, the biggest tool for me was being able to say with the compassion of Christ, as Christ was be sitting there next to me, he wouldn't be telling me you're wrong. How can you, why are you anxious about this? You know, he wants us to respond to it differently, of course, but he's like, I am sorry, my daughter, that you're walking through this. This is really hard. Wow. It makes sense that you're upset. It makes sense. Now we don't stay there forever because then we're just wallowing in our self-pity, but it's from that place that we can begin to hear God's voice of truth. I'm going to get you through this. You're going to be okay. We can begin to lean on that and build that in. And then we can decide from there to, to make that choice. So based on that truth. Where do I want to emotionally dwell? I have the choice to decide this circumstance may be happening to me and it's out of my control. It certainly was when we went through it twice, we were doing all that we could. Right. But where, where is my locus of control? My locus of control is where am I going to dwell? I can dwell on the fact that I don't know what the future will hold, or I can dwell on the fact that 
God will always provide and take care of me. Both of them are true statements, but I can decide where am I going to live? That's the difference. And that's where the power is, but it starts with acknowledging it and noticing it first. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, I'm curious, do you feel like, I mean, you know, from people you've talked to, are there people who are dealing with anxiety who might not be able to identify it as anxiety? Or do you feel like everyone knows that you're dealing with it? I mean, and the reason I'm asking is because I have, uh, I remember, like I've had phases where I've felt stressed, where I Mm -hmm. I feel like high levels of stress in a particular situation or, or even prolonged stress. Um, but I remember going to the doctor, I mean, this is probably four or five years ago. And she was saying that, um, cause I had some symptoms going on and she basically said like, this is stress. Like you are dealing mm. with stress. And I'm like, I don't, I don't feel stressed. Like I'm not yeah, I feel cool. I got, I don't feel stressed, you know? Um, yeah. but like, you know, even after tests, like are conclusively yeah. proving this and stuff that I was dealing with high levels of stress. And so I don't, I don't know if that's similar, um, to anxiety yeah. or not, but have you found that to be true? It's for sure. I think, well, I think it's two, two sides. We, a lot of people label stress as anxiety. Maybe it's not necessarily anxiety. It's just, you're feeling the weight of what's going on. Anxiety is, is a specific behavioral reaction where you're choosing those like the thoughts over and over, you're choosing the worry, you're, you're leaning into that as a way to manage what you're feeling. And you often see it manifest in your body. So sure. It's a huge, sure. Stress, but doesn't necessarily stress doesn't have to be anxiety. But, um, when I was going through that whole period of, of not sleeping and not taking care of myself, the tests would have shown if they, if they could have taken a picture inside of my blood vessels and all the things that had been going on in my body without my knowledge, they would have shown a very different picture than how I was feeling. I didn't feel any of those things happening to me. I allowed it to happen for so long that it's like, I literally had trained my body to not need to sleep, which is the weirdest thing. I just, cause I was not tired when I went to bed at 1230, I was not tired. And I woke up at 430 awake, like ready to go. Like, let's go. So was this just all adrenaline that you were just it constantly was. running It was off high of? levels of cortisol and adrenaline. That's what eventually they think deteriorated my arteries, literally. It was them attacking from the inside out. These, these chemicals like working to attack the vessels in high levels that they've shown that that can, that can happen. And in my body, it did. Oh. And so um, it was something that I didn't even know was going on, but I knew, but I didn't know kind of like what you're saying. Like you knew maybe there was stress there, but you didn't feel like the super high manifestations. I, so it's just like, I mean, sure. It makes sense that sometimes when we have something that keeps happening, our body just stops reminding us, you know, you know, that feeling like we're hungry, you're hungry for the first 10, 15 minutes. You're just like dying because you're hungry. And then after a while it kind of dissipates, you know, it's like, I I wonder, it'd be interesting to see how that works with, with the stress too. But my gut says that it would be the same thing. So. In terms of like neuroscience, brain science, all this stuff and how this kind of ties in with anxiety, like what, what is something that you've learned where it's like, whoa, I had no idea about that, like, and how these things are connected. Is there anything yeah. that you can share along those lines that? Yeah, that it's really the fear. It really is fear and pain. And, um, that if that's anxiety- what anxiety is. Is that what you're anxiety saying? is the response is, 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 is a specific response to this fear and pain that our body is trying to manage, that our brain's trying to manage. So the brain mm-hmm. is always trying, especially the subconscious primal brain, is always trying to keep us safe. It's always yeah. trying to move us towards 
pleasure. It's trying to just move us away from pain. And so when there is a pain that comes up, it's like, okay, what's my, what's my way to handle this? It's always looking for that answer. The logical mind isn't always, especially in times of stress, it's we've, they've shown that it turns off. So you're mainly operating from that primal mind. Um, this, Hmm. which is why, like when you come home and you've had a long day and you're stressed and you just go to your cabinet and you're just like eating a whole thing of Oreos. You're like, why did I eat the whole thing? Because your logic mind is turned off. You're just like response. This feels good. I need to keep feeling good. And, um, it's actually, it's so interesting. What a surprising fact for me was that's not a bad thing for our body to try to help itself. It's actually, it's good. It's our body trying to, again, keep us safe back in, in, in the old days, you know, when we were more prehistoric kind of times, that was a survival mechanism, but it's not yeah. that we want to train ourselves to not see danger or not to, to respond to those things. It's just when that becomes the modus operandi or how we're responding, then that is not what, that's what God's word says. God's word says, yeah. you know, you will have trouble, but here's a different way to manage it here's how I want you to manage it. And if we have these thoughts in there that are keeping us stuck in that cycle, then it's our responsibility. It really is our responsibility to say, God, help me find a new way to respond to this. And, um, that's, that's the hope that we have in Christ. We have, it's amazing. Science says that we have 1500 new baby neurons that are born every day in our mind. And to me that, it's amazing. So that makes me think about Lamentations 3.23. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning, yeah. God gives us a chance to think differently. We have mm-hmm. a new, we're not stuck with the brain we have. It's called brain plasticity. Our brains are always being changed and molded by every thought we have. Even our genes they're seeing are being turned on and off by the thoughts that we have. So we have the power. That's God cool. gives us that power, right? So we can have all these happening to us, but where will we dwell? it's, it's up to us and it's up to us to take responsibility to say like, I don't have these tools. So I need to learn them, or I need to figure out a different way to respond because this is keeping me stuck. You know, what if this is God's lovely life raft coming along saying, I want you to be different. I don't want you to have to go to some extreme, you know, to get to that point. What, what if this is a way to say, I want to help you live differently and free you. I want to free you, you know? Yeah. That's so good. All right. So I know on your website, you have a free workshop um, that people can go into yeah. and you have um, this anxiety toolkit. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? So if yeah. anybody wants to dive in deeper, they can go do that with you. Yeah. Thank you so much. So there's a couple of free workshops. One is the, um, is about managing your mind. And that is at vibrantchristianliving.com forward slash mind. And that is just talks a little bit about more what we've talked about here um, in terms of how to transform your thoughts to transform your life, that any change you make in your life starts with your thoughts. Absolutely. And, um, we give you some practical tools about that and share more about something called the Christian mindset makeover, which is a nine session process that you go through with me. Um, that's powerful. And then there is also this resource called the calm your anxiety toolkit. And that's specifically for anxiety. It is a step-by-step process to give you kind of like a DIY way to manage your anxiety in the moment and before it happens. So like you come up with your own plan based on learning some of these mindset tools and learning what's going to work for you. And so it's like this template that we create together in that toolkit. And you can also, again, there's, there's a workshop that goes with that. Um, but all of it, um, I it's, again, it's a combination of the science as a vehicle for scripture. So using what, how God made our body to put in the truth of his word to change us. So I love that. 
I love that combination. I, just, I feel yeah, like that's the right thanks. way to do it. Um, yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, thank you for sharing all this. I'm really excited. Thank I think this you. is super helpful. Um, I got a lot of <laughs> just good revelation ideas out of this. So I'm really Same. pumped. I think everyone else will be as well. So thanks for taking the time, Alicia. And um, yeah, we'll chat with you soon. Super. Thank you so much, Bob. Thanks for joining us on the Seed Time Money podcast. And remember, money isn't the goal, but it's simply a tool to help you fulfill your purpose and your calling. And we'd love to help you achieve true financial freedom faster with our email newsletter. So if you want exclusive money tips and hope-filled encouragement in your inbox, head over to seedtime.com to get signed up.